Look out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. My name is David Vignola, your humble host. This is episode number 49. This is another week we're going to dedicate to the mailbag. This is a mailbag episode. What is the mailbag? The mailbag is the same kind of questions I get over and over again that you guys write in and I print them out and we're going to read a few on the air here and I'm going to answer some of the questions. If your question uh, has not been answered yet on the podcast, make sure you email me at info at homerecordingmadeeasy.com and I'll try to make sure you get on a future episode. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to answer some of your questions to help you in your home studio. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cold drink. And let's talk about your questions and answers right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. This is episode number 49, 49. It's the mailbag episode. Mailbag is where I answer your questions that you write in. Instead of writing back in an email, I figure I'd just do it as a podcast episode. It saves me time, lets you listen to my voice for the next 20 or 30 minutes, and I get to answer some of your questions. So if you have a burning question of some issues in your home studio, regardless of what it is, gear, software, computers, et cetera, et cetera, email me at the website, homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Links will be in the show notes below, and I will try to get your question answered on a future episode. So that's what we're going to do this week. Before we get started, make sure if this is your first time here that you head on over to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Get your free mixing course right on the homepage. $50 course, absolutely free. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Also, check out the show notes or the YouTube description box below, depending on how you're listening to this podcast, because I have all kinds of links to all of my free training on all my different websites. Go ahead and do that. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to give you another free gift. So make sure you stick around. So let's jump into your questions here on the mailbag. So the first question comes in from Frank. And Frank writes in, hi, David, I'm reaching out to you because I think you're the only one who could help me. Oh, boy, no pressure. <laughs> if I'm the only one in the world that can help you, you could be in trouble, Frank. <laughs> I've watched all your Studio One tutorials, and when I purchased the product two years ago, they were invaluable. Meaning that he learned a lot, people. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome, Frank. Thank you for purchasing the courses. I'm glad they're helping you. That's why I'm here, is to help you guys out. I have a PreSonus Studio One 4 Artist running on a Windows 10 laptop. Over the last three days, I have downloaded and installed, uninstalled, reinstalled Easy Drummer 2, the paid version, into numerous different folders trying to get it to open in Studio One as an instrument. I have followed all other videos and forum suggestions I can find, but after exhausting all of the video and forum tips, I still can't get Easy Drummer to open as an instrument in Studio One. The standalone version for Easy Drummer works fine, but I need it in Studio One. Please help. We'll pay you for your time. Oh, really? Jeez, Frank, I wish I would have known that. I wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have done this for free for you on the podcast. <laughs> no, just kidding. This is torture for me. Your very best regards, Frank. Well, Frank, thanks for writing in, and I appreciate you purchasing the course, courses and being a, a faithful follower. Now, you say you have Studio One version 4. Now, when I had Studio One version 4, Easy Drummer 2 always worked in Studio One. I never had any issues. However, and this may be a typo, maybe you're saying, maybe you meant Studio One 5. Now, Studio One 5, I can tell you that there's been issues with Easy Drummer 2 in Studio One 5, at least on a Mac. And I did some videos of that on YouTube when Studio One 5 first came out. I had all kinds of problems with different third-party plugins. Most of them were resolved, but the two that were never resolved 
or easy drummer and superior drummer. They have an issue when they work very buggy in Studio 1.5. Studio 1.4, I've never had an issue. I'm not sure why you would have an issue in Studio 1.4. You say the standalone works fine, so that means it's installed on your computer correctly, but it's not working in Studio 1. I would contact Tune Tracks, to be honest. I'm not really sure. I know it's Studio 1.5. PreSonus will tell you it's a problem with Tune Tracks. Tune Tracks tells you it's a problem with Studio 1, because I've talked to both. Everybody blames everybody else. I can tell you that Studio 1.5 has been more buggy for me with plugins than every any other version prior to it. Why, I don't know. I have no idea why. It didn't matter what operating system I was running on my Mac. I was running um, what the hell, High Sierra. Everything worked beautiful. Installed Studio 1.5. Had all kinds of problems. PreSonus told me upgrade to Catalina. I did. It didn't fix the problems. I had to upgrade some of my plugins, particularly particularly Waves plugins, then they started to work fine. However, plugins like Sonarworks doesn't work in Studio 1.5, at least it didn't as of about three or four months ago. And Easy Drummer and Superior Drummer by Tune Tracks. And again, I've done some videos on it. So what did I do? I stopped using Easy Drummer and I went to Steven Slade SSD5. <laughs> That's what I did and it works fine in Studio 1. The answer to your question, Frank, I wish I had an answer for you on how to fix it, I don't. Um, this is a problem whenever these new DAW, whenever these dog companies release their new versions, you know, it doesn't always go smoothly. I will say up until studio one, five, all the other versions of studio one, I've never had problems with studio one or any of the plugins. Studio one, five has been one of the more buggy times. Studio one, five also has more crashes for me than it ever has in prior versions. Sometimes I affectionately joke that studio one is becoming the pro tools of the 21st century. <laughs> I don't know. And the only reason why I ever upgrade these things is because I have to have the latest version for my business because you guys want to see the latest versions for education. But I'll tell you what, if I didn't need to have the latest version of some of these things, I would have stayed on Studio 1.3. It was just fine. Anyway, you say you have Studio 1.4. I don't know of any issues with Easy Drummer 2 in Studio 1.4. Um, you are running a Windows-based PC. I run a Mac, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But you've also said that you've, um, you've, you've gone to the forums and you've watched all the videos, nothing seems to help. Honestly, Frank, I really don't know. What I would say to you is contact Tune Tracks. You may have already done that. Tell them what's going on. Um, I'm, I really don't know. I just, and again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you meant Studio 1.5. You wrote Studio 1.4 artist, but not Studio 1.5. Here's the other thing too. You say you're running the artist version of Studio One. I don't believe, and again, you have to check their website for current information because it has changed over the years. The artist version of Studio One does not allow you to use third-party VST instruments or third-party plugins unless you buy their add-on pack. Now that could be the reason why you're not getting Studio Tune Tracks to open in Studio One, but the um, standalone unit works fine because you're not using Studio One. If you want to run third-party VST instruments like Easy Drummer or Superior Drummer or any of those other things or third-party plugins, you need to have the professional version of Studio One. Unless you buy the, they have an add-on pack that you can buy for X amount of dollars to the artist version. And again, I don't know what the differences are between what I just said with Studio One 4 and Studio One 5. They're always changing these things. 
You got to constantly check with the priest on his website because I'm not up to date on every little new thing that they do. I don't stay in tune with them um, as much as people think that I do. So anyway, two things you want to check. Number one, are you sure you're running Studio One and not Studio One Five and it's not a typo in your email? And two, if you are running the artist version, that could be the problem. You may need to upgrade to the professional version. If those two things are in check and you got that all squared away, then I would contact TuneTracks. That's the only thing I can tell you. Um, and hopefully that will solve your problem. But again, if you're running Studio One Five, I can tell you, at least for me, the TuneTracks products do not work very smoothly. Superior Drummer and Easy Drummer. Don't know why, but Addictive Drums works fine. Steven Slate SSD works fine. Who knows? I don't know. That's some of the problem with this stuff. Uh, when you upgrade things, you just never know what kind of problems you're going to encounter. And I tell everybody, look, if you don't need to upgrade to the latest version, don't. Unless there is some excellent feature that is in the newer versions that you don't already have that you have to have, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay? And I can tell you the difference between Studio One 3, Studio One 4, and Studio One 5 from a beginner's perspective, let me preface that by saying that, for recording and mixing, the programs are almost identical. There is no real big difference. There are a lot more per song production um, things in the in version four, version five that are more advanced features. They got a lot of new features in there. But from, from most of the people who listen to this podcast and most of the people that follow me on YouTube and buy my home recording made easy courses, you're someone that's fairly new, less than a year or less than two years worth of recording and mixing experience. And I can tell you the differences between three, four and five versions of studio one are no, that you don't need the latest version. But if you have just bought it for the first time, you bought the latest version. So in other words, if you have version four, do you really need version five? And version four is working perfectly for you? Probably not, unless it's a feature that, you know, that is new where you're a more in more into more advanced music production and there's some new features in there that maybe you didn't have in the current version. But just pay attention to those things. Same thing with the operating systems while we're talking about updates. I don't care if you're on Windows or a Mac. Do not, I'll say this, this goes more for a Mac because they update their operating systems more frequently about every six or eight months. Do not upgrade to the latest operating system unless you are 100% certain that all of these plugin companies that you have and all of the DAWs can support it. Even if they say they support the new operating system, eight times out of 10, there's all kinds of problems with them. Do not upgrade to the latest operating system, the newest and the latest and the greatest, especially if you're a Mac user, unless you are sure and that you've seen that other people have tested it out and all the bugs are worked out of it. Because there's nothing worse than doing an upgrade to your operating system than everything that worked yesterday doesn't work today. And even though the company will swear that they tested this stuff, I can tell you that they don't always do a very good job. And I'm not just saying that about PreSonus. I'm saying that about anybody. It just happens to be that I use Studio One more, more than anything else. But I can tell you when the latest version of Studio One came out, version five, within five minutes, I found three bugs. Five minutes. They were testing this thing for months and months and months. I found very basic things within five minutes. Makes you wonder who's testing this stuff. <laughs> you know, what kind of people are really testing this stuff? <laughs> you know, I've asked to be on their beta testing team many times. They ignore me because they don't want to hear when there's problems. So what do I do? I do YouTube videos and tell you guys when there's problems. And then all of a sudden, PreSonus contacts me and they get on the phone with me and we work out the problems. 
<laughs> and I'm teasing PreSonus. They're still the best in the business when it comes to support, in my mind, anyway. Um, but I found the same thing with Universal Audio Luna. Within five or 10 minutes of me using the most basic features of Luna, I found two or three things when they first released it that were that were working. It's like, who the hell tests this stuff? Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, I wish I could help you more, Frank, with that, but that's what I would tell you. Check to make sure you have you don't need to have the pro version and check with tune tracks. Um, okay, next question is, I got a couple of questions coming in from the fam same person. This person's name is David Miles. Hey, David Miles. First question, Dave, I am set, I am setting up to practice some of your training techniques. Excellent. Uh, at church yesterday, I recorded 17 tracks, four songs, continuous in pre-sonus capture and brought it into studio and brought the stems into studio one. I have markers between each songs, but I would like to make a hard break between the songs so I can work on each song separately as we had four different lead vocals on each, uh, four different lead vocals on each song. I get it. What is your recommendation? Okay. So he recorded at church four songs. Each song had a different lead vocalist. He did it in pre-sonus capture, probably with a studio live mixer, although he doesn't say that here. And now he's taken this, the stems out of capture, wants to bring it into studio one, but it's all one long continuous performance because it was a live concert. Um, so that's the first part of his question. The second part of his question was, I also noticed that in some of the tracks, the keyboard and one of the vocals were lower in volume than the other tracks, but during the recording on the studio live console, see, I should have read the question. He did do it on a studio line, a studio live. <laughs> All of the channels were at negative 18 to negative 12 on the output. Why would the channel volume be so low on these recorded tracks? Um, to answer the second question about why would the channels be lower? I have no idea. If you recorded everything at a negative 12 to a negative 18, and then exported that track out of capture and brought it into studio one, it should be at negative 12 and negative 18. The only thing that I can think of is maybe you turn down your output fader, your master output fader, or on an individual track, that fader in capture, you turned it down. So it wasn't at zero at unity. So when you exported it, it was lower in volume. That's my guess, but without seeing it, I don't know. You may want to check that. But as, for the, as, far as, as far as the first part of your question, where you have one long performance and you want to chop it up into four separate songs, all you need to do in Studio One is use the good old blade tool, you, the, the knife tool. Just go through and manually find the end of the first song, put a break in the audio file, go to the end of the second song, put another break in the audio file with your blade tool, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have four separate audio events on the same track, and then you can take the audio events and you can put them on separate tracks. That's how you do it. Okay, really simple. As a matter of fact, I did a video of that on the YouTube channel. It's somewhere on my YouTube channel. If you search my playlist under Studio One, you'll see me do just that. I actually address, this is going back a couple of years. I address this exact question. How do you take a live performance and break it up into separate songs? That's how you do it using the blade tool. Okay, Frank, I hope that helps. So there is your, uh, or, excuse me, David. Those are, um, that's your first uh, email that came in. Okay, here's your second email that came in a couple of days later. Hello, Dave. I've enjoyed watching several of your training videos. You do a great job. It is clear and detailed. Well, thank you very much, David. I purchased a Studio Live 64 for our church. I've been recording capture opening, recording to capture, and capture, by the way, for people that don't know, is the free little software, recording software program that comes with the Studio Live Mixer. So you can either record using a Studio Live Mixer and Studio One, the software, if you have it. But if you don't have Studio One, you can just use the little the little uh, software, recording software called Capture. And it's just a real scaled down version of Studio One. Very bare bones. It's made just for capturing live performances. Okay, so that's what it is. 
So he says, I've been recording to capture and opening Studio One and burning CDs. Now I'm trying to learn Studio One and I have Artist version 5.2. The problem I am having is configuring the console to play back from Capture and Studio One. It's playing in the software, but I can't get the signal back into the console. I am hooked up with a USB cable to the computer. I was wondering if you had a video on configuration of the Studio Live with Studio One. When I get all the bugs worked out, I want to take time and purchase some of your training videos for setting up and recording in the DAW. I am new to the digital recording world, but I'm very proficient in analog audio for over 20 years. Regards, David. Well, David, thanks for writing in. Okay, so if you have a Studio Live mixer and you plugged, um, and you plugged in via USB to your computer and you're recording in Capture or Studio One, you recorded the performance, now you want to play it back through the mixer. On the Studio Live mixer, there is a button up in the fat channel area. When you say, for example, your first channel, you hit the select button to select channel one on the Studio Live. Then you want to look up at the fat channel area in the input section. There should be a button there, I think an analog button and a USB button. Once you want to make sure that when you're doing playback, you press the analog button for every one of the tracks that will allow you to hear back what you've already recorded in Capture Studio One. Okay. Does that make sense? I know without seeing it in video and just hearing it in audio, it may not make sense or it may be a little confusing. So on each fader on the Studio Live mixer, you have above it a select button to select the channel that you want to work on. So let's just use channel one as example, hit the select button at the top of the fader. Once you do that, if you look in the fat channel area and where you look at your touch screen, you'll see all the information and all the different configurations for channel one that you selected up in the fat channel. Make sure that the analog button is highlighted, not the USB button. The USB button is for when you wanna record into your computer via USB for playing back the audio that you've already recorded, you wanna make sure the analog button is played back. If you do that on all the tracks, you should be able to hear back what you re recorded in Capture or Studio One. Okay, assuming that in Capture and in Studio One, the software that under the preferences window that you have the Studio Live as your audio interface, which it should default to that, but you wanna check that. That's how you do it. Okay. And there, there, if there's something else going on there that could be causing your problem, but my guess is that's what your problem is. You recorded it and then you didn't hit the analog button. Therefore you can't hear back what you've already recorded. And I know you might be new to the digital world and the analog world is quite a bit different, but in the studio live, it's very, very similar, but something that you can hook up. I don't have any videos on the studio live on how to use it, to be honest, um, on the YouTube channel. I've, I've always said, I'm going to do some but I haven't gotten around to it. Maybe at one point uh, I will, but um, that is how you can at least start to troubleshoot that problem that you're having. And then hopefully that'll work for you. So those are our three questions this week on the mailbag episode. Now, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. As I said in the beginning, I want to give you something else for sticking around and listening. So again, make sure you go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and get your free mixing courses right on the homepage. Get it absolutely free. And once you take that course, if you dig my style of teaching and you'd like to check out one of my other paid training courses, I want to give you a discount. 
The coupon code that you can use is podcast30. Put that in at checkout and it'll take 30% off any one of the training courses on my website. Again, thank you so much for listening and that's my gift to you. Make sure you check all the links below in the show notes or on YouTube if you're listening to this on YouTube. And by the way, give me a thumbs up, five-star review if you enjoy this podcast and it helped you in any way. I really do appreciate it. And until the next week's podcast episode, my name's been Dave with HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.